Welcome back to another episode of Bopcast. My name is Ryan Sullivan, also known as Sully Bop, and I interview outliers who are breaking the mold regardless of the status quo. I've been doing this for four years, and I have to thank every single listener, guest, and everybody who's been a part of this podcast to make us top 10% in the world according to the statistics. So really appreciate you listening right now. For some context, my guest today is Lena Lemos. I connected with Lena from a mutual friend. She was recommended to me to have her on the podcast. And today we dove into spirituality. Don't worry, though. We tried to make it as accessible as possible. I'm coming at this from somebody who has been meditating for a few years, but isn't really deeply connected with the spirituality side. And it's interesting because meditation and things like it have been put on a pedestal really for the mental benefits. And according to Lena, we've lost a lot of these ancient spiritual practices over time. So today we dive in to how meditation has become so popularized over the years and how people might actually be using it the wrong way. Overall, the takeaway from this episode is an introduction, really a crash course to spirituality at any level. And that's what Lena's doing with her business, her practice called House of Enlightenhood, basically making spirituality accessible to anybody at any level. So I hope you enjoy the episode today. If you did enjoy it, please make sure to follow and subscribe to us on the platforms. Let's get to the episode with my friend, Lena Lemos. Welcome back to another episode of Bobcast. Today on the show, I have my friend, Lena. How are you, Lena? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So we met through a mutual friend Mm -hmm. and uh, through Gabby. And that's just how that's the power of the podcast right there. That's just the way it works, you know. Um, But I was very interested in your journey. I had watched you on another podcast. And, um, you know, these are the things that you have kind of developed and the, you know, your book, your podcast, everything, um, you know, the spirituality side is something that I'm interested in, but it's not something that I've gone other than maybe like meditation in my own little journey, but it's not something that I know a lot about. So I just thought the topic was interesting. I thought you were interesting and I figured might as well have her on the show and let's, you know, see what happens. Let's do this. So where did, um, it's probably going to be a broad question, so you could kind of go where you want with it, but where did it start for you, your kind of journey of trying to, I don't know, maybe I was going to say find yourself, but I don't even know if that's really what that even means for you or for anybody. So where did the spirituality kind of begin in your life? I think I'll tell you in three parts. Because I think there's three. We have a lot of time, so that's what we're doing. <laughs> there's doing today. three distinct things that I think come to mind. The first is being that I think I was always spiritual, always loved exploring the mysteries of the universe. Like we were talking about before, I grew up in upstate New York, so I was super connected to nature and just spent so much time just in my own head, rolling around in the grass and <laughs> doing all the things. Yep. So I think I just innately had this curiosity growing up and. I was never really connected to religion because my parents, we we went to church, but my parents really gave us that freedom to explore what the meaning of life was to us and what God was and all of those things. So I never felt tied or tethered to a religion, mm-hmm. which I think really gave me that freedom to explore. And then the second milestone that really happened was I was working at this software company in the beauty industry and the department I worked in the marketing department was very spiritual like 
if they hired you, they asked you what your astrological sign was. We talked about crystals and meditation all the time. And there were ghosts in the basement. And so (laughs) it was the old Staples headquarters and the procurement department kept seeing these ghosts and this man getting on the elevator. So they brought in a medium, a local medium who did the ghost tours in Morristown to just see what was up in the basement. And so she walked into the marketing department, into an empty office and said, does anyone want a reading? I'm here, like, come talk to me. So of course I went and I sat down and this is a very long story, but she basically through her mediumship abilities and channeling my great grandma told me, your father has figured out two out of three of the family secrets and he's a genealogist. He has our family lineage tracked back as far as he can, but the third one is closer than he thinks. So I was like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) So I called my dad and I happened to be going home that weekend. He's like, I have no idea what this means. So that weekend, my aunt was in town. So my grandma had all of her kids and we were just laughing and joking at the family dinner table. What does this mean? What does this mean? And long story short from that, we ended up finding out that my dad had a half brother that he had no idea about and that my grandpa like, yeah. So we found out this huge family secret through this medium. And so I ended up calling her and saying, what just happened to my life? And she ended up becoming my mentor and teaching me how to meditate and about crystals and all of these things. And so that really led me down the path to to really have a meditation practice to do yoga, to start to be more interested and involved in those things. But then the third thing was really my daughter. When I was pregnant with her, I became so furious with the rhetoric and the way that our society treats pregnant women. And it just lit a fire within me. And pregnancy just ripped my soul wide open. And I couldn't understand why women who had gone through this before the only thing that they could say is like, what are you craving? How are you feeling? And I'm like, do you not under, do you not see what's happening to me here? Like so much is happening. And so it was really motherhood that forced me to question. And I think to me, that's so much what spirituality is, is this questioning of like, who are we? Where are we going? Where did we come from? And that really set me down this path to where I am now. So I was six months pregnant when I got the download for the word enlightenedhood. And I said, that really describes what I'm going through right now. This this questioning, this ripping wide open of my soul. And the rest is kind of just been this this need, this innate feeling that I just had to follow what that meant. And it just led me down this path to start asking other people about their spirituality. And I started a podcast and a little website when I was four weeks postpartum called Enlightenedhood. And it reached a hundred countries in like six months. And it was clearly a conversation that I didn't see happening. I didn't feel safe to ask these questions with the people in my life. And it really just showed me that there aren't very many safe spaces for to have these conversations. And that's what really allowed me to step into the role, be like, okay, well, I'll create it then. And the rest is kind of history. <laughs> and we're going to touch on your book and your podcast too later on. Um, and because I, I definitely want to go there. But so it started with a haunted marketing department. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of crazy to think about. Most yeah. people don't. I mean, I guess most, hey, a spiritual journey could start anywhere, right? I guess that's a testament to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so 
you know, so how did that work? Like, you just did, you know, you, all right, there, this lady just randomly says, all right, I, does anybody want a reading, you know? Yeah. And, but, so what was, but what was your opinion on that? Because my girlfriend always says, like, oh, I want to go to a medium. I just think it would oh. be fun, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, the, you know, practical cynic, you know, practicalist or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just a waste of money. Like, why would we do that? You know, so um, there's a lot of boundaries to getting yeah. to going. And there's a lot of woo-woo and then a lot of bullshit. Oh, so. I'm full woo-woo. We can go as woo-woo as you want. but Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I am a full believer in, in all of that. But I think there also, it gets a bad reputation because there are people who understand that the, when people are suffering and want confirmation that there is life after death or something like that and take advantage of that. So I think there is, there oh, is I see what you're saying. so there had there is has to be a healthy balance of, you know, if you're going to someone for a reading or in what you're believing in because especially because it I mean, spirituality is a billion dollar industry now. So people are praying on It's like uh, podcasting. Yeah. yeah. People are praying on soul seekers and, and people who want answers. So yeah, I I'm a full believer and I growing up have always been super intuitive and actually when my grandpa passed away when I was in high school I was I was really bullied in high school and I almost didn't pass the 10th grade and so that day I was in 10th grade and I was walking towards the the front office and I was going through all the the reasons in my head to call my dad and say these are all the terrible things that happened today come pick me up so I can go home and one of the things on that list was that my grandpa passed away my dad picked me up from school, told me in the parking lot that he passed away. And so after that, he would start coming to me in dreams. And he was actually the one that helped me get through all that time. So I am a true believer that that there is that connection and people are able to have that connection. But again, like you said, it, there is a really gray line between people with well intentions and people who do not. And I think the problem is that things happen where you go, well, that's weird, you yeah. know, where I mean, and and not to bring it to a, I mean, you know, more kind of tragic example. But I had a friend of mine who was a guest on this podcast and he passed away, unfortunately, um, I believe it was 21 or 22. And uh, I remember like every day I would I had this book and I would I don't even know if I have the book anymore, but it would be it's like a, it was like a famous uh, quotes uh, book of, of different authors. And one of the quotes was about death. And I took a picture of the page of the book and just posted it on my story that day. And then like an hour later, I get the text from my friend who, you know, lets me know, like, you know, he passed away and it was obviously extremely sad, but it was one of those times where I went, mm, like, I just read this and it's completely related to what happened that day. And yeah. there's all these little, and there's very minute examples of like giving somebody, um, like we have a little record uh, collection over here and we sometimes people pull out a record and it ends up being like their even yesterday their boyfriend's favorite mm -hmm. you know thing or something and it's like why is that like this weird you know so you have these little coincidences in life that i feel like are not where you go something's going on here or is it just a coincidence so i feel like that's where people end up but then they might just stop it it's a coincidence yeah you know? yeah yeah in the spiritual world they call those synchronicities okay yeah <laughs> It makes sense, though. Yeah, it does. And I think that's the fun of it is to have that wonder and to choose to believe that it's more than a coincidence. Mm. Yes. But I think that I guess like you have to kind of be ready for it. Like yeah. if you were super like pessimistic or you really didn't believe or whatever. And then that lady said, who wants a reading? And you didn't do it. Right. You would not have been able to get anything out of it. Right. 
So I guess you kind of have to also, and that's kind of, that's something that I even said today in like a video that I put out today, which I'm like, you know, you have to actually kind of believe first a lot of times, you know? Yeah. What's it's hard to do. Well, our thoughts create our reality. So Mm -hmm. you have to have that thought in order for it to be possible in your reality. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, I I believe that too. And it's not like you can believe something and it's definitely going to happen. It's just the fact that I think that if you guarantee, if you say, I can't change this thing, I think you guarantee that it to not change. Right. You know, and so it could be anything. Could be sleep, could be anxiety, could be education. It could be your job. I mean, it could be anything, but... So what, what do you, so you get to this point, you know, okay, so you, you do the thing with the, she says, all right, who wants a reading? You do the reading. Then she says in the reading, she tells you that you've unlocked, you have two of the three things. Yeah. Like that's like the first thing yeah. she says. Well, actually the first thing she said when I sat down is she, she said, you know, you're a witch, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Isn't that great when a random lady calls you a witch? I was like, what? No one's ever called me that before. But then the further she got and was telling me how, you know, she was reading my energy and I came from this long line of witches in Italy and I'm Italian. I was like, okay. But the, the main takeaway from that and most of what I remember that she said was about the third family secret. Man, that's crazy. Do you think you're a witch or? <laughs> I mean, um, it, you don't come off as one. I'm just... I, so the further I go down this path, I think the, the idea of what a witch is has been really misconstrued. And I think to me, what a witch is, is someone who knows and is really connected to the earth and can use the elements and the energy of the earth in order to manipulate their own reality. So I wouldn't classify myself as a witch, but I I do know people who identify as witches and they're not like riding broomsticks and standing over cauldrons. It's more just like being connected to the earth. And a lot of it, the modern people who identify as witches come from paganism and the spirituality that is really earth-based. Yeah, I think it's so, it's definitely 100% that like every, all this stuff has ever... Any con- every connotation is just yeah. plastered all, all over yes. all this stuff. So if you say witch, it's like there's no way you could actually like say that's serious, right. like a serious thing that you're trying to explain yes. to somebody. You well, know? and I mean, we <laughs> not to go down the whole patriarchy route, but women, women for a very long time, powerful women who understand their own power have been you know burned at the stake and called i mean it goes way back to like mary magdalene in the history of the bible and she had her own gospel and when they came together what was it the council of nicaea or whatever they're like fuck this that we don't want this voice here and they burned her and she was labeled a whore and a prostitute so it goes back as far as that type of understanding of women and the same goes for like the priestess and the witch it's this idea of the, you know the the woman who knows her own power and i think witches fall very much into that category mm, yeah wow there's a lot of sides there's a lot of <laughs> angles we to could this, go huh? down so many roads <laughs> well here i have one for you so what do you think this is a little specific um but i think it's obvious that meditation or i don't even think spirituality yet. i think meditation um, has kind of been extracted from spirituality yeah. and then tried to be used as like some kind of producti- productivity hack or something. Yes. And I think that it's lost the spiritual side of it. And to yeah. be honest, I don't do it for the spiritual side, but I know that there's something there, but yeah. I legitimately do it ju- because it helps my mind. But like maybe I can go a little bit deeper, you know? Um, but I think that it's a little bit been hijacked for like a top five tips article. I agree. And like, 
it's kind of been just pulled out of like the what really should have a lot more context yes. around it. So have you kind of seen that happen or? Yeah, and I think there's no denying the the scientific benefits and the benefits that it can have on the brain, but I think that's very much what our society does is pulls like the scientific benefits without introducing this the spiritual aspect of it. And I think to me meditation is really being at peace with silence and silence with yourself. And that is something that is so hard for so many of us to do because we are afraid to be alone with our own thoughts. So what are we doing? We're watching Netflix. We're scrolling. We're, we're doing all the things to avoid actually feeling. And I think to me, meditation is being at peace with yourself and then also detaching yourself from those things that you're avoiding. They talk about in mindfulness a lot how you should look at your emotions like clouds just passing by and not attaching yourself to it. And I think meditation is very much just being able to sit with yourself in your own energy, in your own silence. And not only that, but be able to train your brain as a way to to change your state of consciousness. That's hard to do right there. So hard. Like, it's hard for me to not talk after you talked, you know? And, like, it's just hard to not fill gaps yeah. of, t- of silence. Like, yes. And, and uh, I interviewed somebody, like, years and years ago on a whole different podcast. I felt like I had a whole different life. And they were like, you got to use the pause, mm-hmm. the power of the pause. Yes. And good thing she introduced me to that because I really understood it, you know. But, yeah, I feel like we have to always fill yes. kind of everything. But, you know, and I think with that, like you said, the clouds part of it, um, I spent a lot of time trying to like realize that I had to separate myself from my thoughts. Yeah. Which is difficult to under, yeah. even understand. I think the whole part of meditation that we're, it's not about like judging our thoughts. It's more about recognizing that they're always going to be there and learning how we can take that step back from from ourselves, from the, the, the monkey mind that's just constantly going and how can we learn to slow it down and bring it back to center. Yeah, and I think when you start with the meditation, you re- you can't you think you're doing it wrong because you think it's something. Yes, that's what I used to get all the time when I first started meditating, and everyone would say to me, "Oh, I can't meditate because I can't sit alone for two hours in a room by myself and not think about anything." I'm like, that's not what meditation is. You're never not. I mean, I will say I think I can get to the point where I'm not really thinking about anything, but that's taken five years to get to that point. But you're never not going to think about something. It's about learning to think it and then let it go and not go down the rabbit holes where you're constantly getting anxious or putting emotion to it or going down these rabbit holes within your own mind. Yeah, it's almost like it's yeah, it's almost never when there's like no thoughts like that's you might have a day, you might have a minute, you might have an hour, but that's yeah, it's but it's like, where did that come from? Where did that who? Who propagated that whole thing, you know? I mean, I don't know if it's a person or one thing. (laughs) I don't know. But I think that, too, that meditation exists in so many different ways. It's not always just sitting down in in silence or with music. It can happen when you're walking in nature or you're creating art or you're going for a walk. I think Mm -hmm. I try to tell people that you can make your life a moving meditation. It's just about being present and just being here and not worrying about something that's happening a week from now or feeling so guilty about something that happened three years ago. It's about just being 
truly here and now because when you're here now you're not thinking about the past or the present and all your thoughts are like this very moment and then they're gone it's now and then it's gone and that that to me is what meditation is yeah and i think there's certain like things you could put into your life that help that like the five minute rule if you yeah. can do it in five minutes or less and you have five minutes to do it right now just do it yeah because that thing remains in your mind yeah. and i think but i that's a lot of the reason why people would sit down in meditation and then for it to be very very surprising and like alarming almost yes. because it's like oh my god my thoughts are like insane but you can't even you can't get to the point where you recognize your thoughts it, it you can't do it in five sessions you can't do it in ten like it takes so long yes. i feel like to realize what meditation does and then even when you're at that point where you realize what it does you don't even recognize the benefits till later too yeah. so it's like such a process that i think who has the time or the discipline to like continue that you know? yeah well science shows all you need is actually two minutes a day to start feeling the effects and for me now i don't really sit down to meditate to feel calm anymore i can I, i've trained myself enough through meditation to be able to do that through taking a deep breath or being really present for some for instance sometimes i'll just be like saying out loud exactly what i'm doing if i'm doing the dishes like i am washing a plate i am grabbing the sponge because then when you're saying those things out loud to yourself you can't be thinking about anything else mm -hmm. Yeah, Sam Harris said that meditation is preparation for the worst day of your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or the best or whatever you want to say, but it really is. Yeah. Because to be able to get out of your own way in the situation where you 100% have to, if you can't, like, it's yep. killer. It could mean everything, you know? Yeah. And I think meditation then enabled to be okay with ourselves because I think it's really just sitting with ourselves and being comfortable with, with ourselves and who we are. And I think that's what opens the door to spirituality because I think spirituality to me is just healing and more self-awareness and doing that through a lens of self-love and intentionality which what meditation really is is that you're learning to fall back in love with just who you are in this in this very moment yeah only it's only you in there exactly and it's like the other version of you which is crazy because you and maybe everybody's a little bit different but you definitely have like the gotta get shit done guy mm -hmm. you know you have the or girl and you have the um you know kind of like the devil and then the you know yeah. um on your shoulder you know yeah and those two there's like that's how i feel at least like i have i mean but i feel like i felt like that but then i'm kind of i think i'm probably 18 19 maybe like four years into meditation and maybe like two and a half into like every five days a week Mm, that's and, awesome yeah and because uh, I but I notice the difference if I stop meditating I'd notice the difference probably in a couple weeks few weeks where I my thoughts would start to come back in and be like really crazy yeah it it's it, it has changed my life in the way that I can manage my nervous system and the way that I approach others and the way that I view myself and everything and to your two minutes thing too, non-sleep deep rest like you don't have to meditate the science on the non-sleep and if you look up nsdr um or non-sleep deep rest 
on YouTube, there's protocols where you literally just like lay down, like you don't have to meditate, you don't have to do, do right. anything. And that has the same or similar benefits to taking a nap as yes. well as meditation. So like right. you don't have to do anything mentally at all really to get yeah. benefits. And, and breath is such an important part of it too because we really don't breathe that well. <laughs> we no, don't take no. deep breaths and yeah. so much can change too, not only like for your physiology and your nervous system, but just learning what an actual deep breath feels like. It instantly just puts us back in our body. And I think so many of us live outside of our body because we don't necessarily feel safe or comfortable in it. So we're just, you know, escaping ourselves. Luckily for me, I was obsessed with my body and like trying to be like bigger or like stronger or whatever, because I was like, um, I was always the smallest kid, you know? Mm. So I wanted to not that working out, working out honestly definitely helped me understand the breath where because every rep you control your breath Mm -hmm. so that then showed me how to modify it and then once i did that then i got into meditation then through the meditation wim hof yes you know the breathing exercises Mm -hmm. most people don't know that they can hold their breath for like a long time if they just practice for like 15 Mm -hmm. minutes like you can do like three minute breath holds like two and a half minute breath holds like pretty easily but and that's just like a extraction because the real thing that you're doing is controlling it because your breath controls your body temperature also can control your blood pressure and all these different Mm -hmm. things who knows that you know yeah breath work (laughs) i'd say has changed a lot for me too so you this woman becomes your spiritual advisor so to say i don't know what you would call her but uh that's a good mentor whatever yeah um and so how did that relationship start to build past the point where, you know, she told you that about and then you went back to her and you're like, hey, this is crazy. Like, so she, how did it go from there? So I would see her twice or every other week and she would give me basically homework assignments. So she would teach me like a breathwork pattern and meditation and then she would have me do it for t- two weeks and then I would record kind of what happened, my thoughts, how I was shifting and each week we would talk about something different. So she would teach me about different crystals or how to cleanse them and different numerology or astrology type of things. But it was really more as much of a like therapy talk session as it was learning how to meditate and really come back to myself. So did, so she, you were, but you were kind of primed, for, like you wanted to learn. Oh yeah. yeah, I love all of it, and <laughs> it, it it's so fascinating to me. I didn't really have anyone in my life at the time who was that interested in all of it, so I was eating that shit up all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it's more normal for girls too, um, yeah. especially guys. Like, um, you know, pe- listen, like it's just the kind of stereotypes, you know. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not the once again coming back to kind of the beginning is like there's not a uh, wide acceptance yes. and like there's not a wide understanding yes. of what you're talking about because yes. when you say like she predicted this thing and then we found the third thing it's like <clears throat> you're just like crazy you yes. know like that's what like a general yes. population because yes. they it's not like everybody goes oh yeah i know what you're talking about yes exactly and i think that's why I, it led me to create everything that i had have created in order to normalize it and i also think that there's almost this sparkly capitalistic version of spirituality that's full of jargon and these words that seem kind of pretentious as a way of being like look at us we're so spiritual but really you know 
like you know through your meditation practice it's really about learning more about yourself and coming home to yourself and how can we normalize that journey of soul exploration and sure there's really fun you know we will worm holes that you can go down with all these you know different things but at the end of the day it's all about learning more about ourselves I like woo woo wormhole. That's cool. <laughs> that's what that's going to be the name of the episode. Just so you know. I love it. I think it completely describes it. We got, <laughs> Alliteration um, is my love language. Yeah. So. Hey, hey, there you go. Um, yeah, I Tara Brock. Are you familiar with her? With her vaguely, yeah. Yeah, she does a lot of guided. I've done probably thousands of her guided meditations, and uh, I really cycle through. I do mostly guided now. I honestly didn't used to. I used to do a lot of just non-guided but i and i felt like that was good to set a foundation yeah but i really do think i'm a little stagnant Mm. you know guided can help with the visualization and then you feel like you're not doing as much work or if you're sitting there and you're like nothing's happening or Mm. guided can really help you go down a journey basically when you started to meditate what were you doing was it mostly just by yourself or it was mostly so I had this one chakra album that I would do with the breath work that my mentor taught me and it was just that and but then the more I got down the path I was doing the guided ones but I like just now I just kind of sit and travel the universe in my own brain so (laughs) so what does that mean to you that means so I've been working on developing my intuition and being an intuitive channel so that really means just getting I've trained my brain to get into a certain state of consciousness basically now where I can be almost in like dream state or where people go when they're in hypnosis and just receive and I like doing automatic writing and just seeing what comes through and that's that's my favorite thing to do now when I meditate do you think everybody can do that or I think so Mm. I think everyone absolutely has the ability it's more of just like we've been talking about about judging whether or not you can or overthinking it and then i also think we have a lot of emotional baggage in the way that keeps us from accessing that type of thing do you think part of it is that people don't know what it feels to actually it's like you don't know what it's what it feels to eat healthy and work out every day until you eat healthy and work out every day and then you go how could I possibly have lived yes. like without that? Yes, I think it's the same exact thing. I think it's one practice, it's commitment, it's also trusting. I mean, we all have these internal compasses and these intuitive abilities. It's just most of us are so disconnected from that because we've also been told that it's crazy, you know, our whole life. Yeah, where so um, maybe this is a big question, but like, where does religion play into it for you, or like, does did has that played any type of role or? Religion, I was lucky that I didn't have to really do any unlearning in terms of religion. So it's more of just I love learning about different religions. But I think that the more that I learn about religions, the more I think they keep people in a box and keep them thinking that God or the power or authority lives outside of themselves or in the church. When really, I think that when we get to a certain point on this path, we realize that it's all within us. And so I'm of the proponent of if it's something that's going to teach you about that, then I think and it's with love and intention and about service and being good and kind to others, then then the teaching, no matter what religion it comes from, I think is valuable. But when it gets to the point that, you know, you have to pray to something or put your power into something that exists outside of yourself, then I think it gets a little tricky yeah i think that we weren't i think the better way to do it would be to start with the self and then go into something like that you know 
because if and what I that's another thing I said today, which is people will believe in God before they believe in themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, I think just because it's easier. Yeah. It's hard to believe in yourself, kind of. Well, in we're certain conditioned things. not to. Yeah, and especially like the way that we're brought up as well. Yes. And uh, my girlfriend's teacher, husband's a teacher, or um, husband, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that system obviously doesn't promote any of this, but it for sure does not um put you in any sort of mindset to n- know yourself yeah it's kind of all external yes which is difficult well that's what capitalism feeds on is mm-hmm. that we don't have anything and that we're worthless and we need you know this beauty product or this car or this you know shirt to make ourselves worthy or feel like we're enough and i think there is very much a version of spirituality too that exists within that capitalistic structure you know with these big businesses and big self-proclaimed gurus and like oh you need crystals and you need a yoga mat and you need to look a certain way and you need to do all these things in order to be spiritual or to to have this you know label and i think the more that the more that i learn i'm realizing that it's all bullshit yeah yeah and none of us know what the fuck we're doing no none of us (laughs) none of us and that i think that's even the gurus even the whoever you want to say yeah right but the whole point is that i think we've lost this idea that our our humanity is what makes us divine like the messiness of the human experience and approaching that with just compassion for ourselves in not being perfect and not having it all is what truly i think spirituality helps us do because we can be enough in this moment we can also we can be working on ourselves and need healing but also know that right now we're enough and we're worthy of everything that we could ever want yeah and we have enough you know exactly i mean especially if you're in america i feel like you definitely not hey not everywhere in america sure whatever there's you know people live in different places but i think that most of the time if you're listening to this right now you're probably pretty good you know you're probably okay at least like you probably have what you need to like you know get by and then you could probably spend some time on things that you want to maybe learn or grow or passion or something Mm -hmm. like that but yeah i think it's easy to get very comfortable and then not have the self-awareness to know that you have it really good yeah yeah and it's hard to you have to do it for yourself that's the problem Mm -hmm. yeah so Mm, this wasn't just a little thing that you started doing like this actually became a massive part of your life this entire kind of journey of of spirituality so where did it progress once you had your you know were working with this teacher so let me even think back so that was 2016 into 2017 and I would kind of was just doing my own thing meditating a little and doing yoga but it wasn't until 2018 when my mom's mom so my maternal grandma passed away and I ended up giving the eulogy at her funeral and I was a theater kid I was always on stage always performing and then in the trauma that I had in high school I was also in a domestically abusive relationship also being bullied at the same time I just lost my voice and myself and my ability to feel like I could stand up on a stage and do everything that I wanted to do or feel like that the performance I gave or what I was saying that I didn't have like a lump in my throat or feel like I didn't want to be seen 
And so in giving her a eulogy, and this sounds terrible to say, but it was almost like the best stand-up comedy act that I've ever given in my entire life. And she was like a stubborn old Italian woman and, and she would have loved it. But it was like I hit every beat and it was in that moment that I felt like it was the first time in a really long time that I was really proud of the way that I could show up and step into this version of myself that I was so comfortable in as a kid. And so that day I went home after her funeral. Well, I went to her house because we were staying there as they were like packing everything up. And I wrote a letter to my future child, not knowing like who they were or like I wasn't pregnant or anything, but just as a declaration to find myself again. Because after moving to New Jersey from upstate New York and meeting my husband, like my life became so much his life. I didn't have any friends or family in New Jersey. So my life kind of became on autopilot and I lost myself a lot. And so this connection to nature that I had growing up and just all the things I loved from photography and performing and music and writing, I feel like I lost all that. So in this letter, I just wrote this declaration to find myself and I decided that I wanted to do this healing work and I wanted to find myself before I had a child so that I wasn't passing down any of this emotional baggage or the fact that I was operating from a place of not knowing myself before I had her. And so that was kind of what really sent me down to to do this work. And I had this huge grand plan to write this book called Mindful Nesting. And it was about how I was doing the healing work before coming a mom. And then I got pregnant and I was so fucking sick. Like I was on the couch in a burrito. I constantly had to go to the hospital because I couldn't keep water down. Like it was really bad. So all of that went on the back burner. And then I had prenatal depression. And it was just, it was a terrible, terrible experience. But it opened me up even more because like I told you before, it just lit this fire within me because I couldn't understand why we treated pregnant women this way and why something as sacred as you know bringing a life onto this planet was just so degrading to women and so that's what really opened me up to be like there's something here and why is no one talking about this can you go into that a little bit more in terms of like treating how they treat pregnant women or i'm just not i'm just not knowledgeable on that subject so so I think a lot of it has to do with our societal conditioning around women and their bodies, too, because, you know, as teenage girls, we're told, like, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. And then as soon as you're married, they're like, OK, where's the kid? Yep. And like, OK, so I've just been shamed and conditioned to not have sex. No, and- just do it when we want, we tell you to do it <laughs> exactly. and then do it immediately when you're supposed to. Exactly. And so but why? Well, we don't know. But <laughs> so I think the my generation of women holds so much deep-rooted shame around you know sexuality and pregnancy goes into that because i forget where it was but it was like name one time that everyone knew you had sex and it's obviously like when you're pregnant and you tell everyone you're pregnant but it's yes. just yeah. there it, there's such a taboo conversation around it and i remember after being so sick I had lost a bunch of weight being pregnant and I walked into my doctor's office and I had gained five pounds back and she said something like, well, we're going to have to watch that because you've already gained too much weight in this pregnancy. So, so much of these like really ridiculous, kind of old, arbitrary, yes, too. Yeah. outdated practices of how much weight you're supposed to gain and all these things when women truly have never been taught about their bodies or how it works and the process of birth and there's just so many practices for instance 
women give birth on their backs, it has become a standard practice because the king of France liked to watch it. And that was the best way for him to watch the show. It is not biologically the best way to give birth. In fact, it should usually happen like squatting. So practices like this that we think are just normal and that's what you should do are just rooted in just so much bullshit. And I didn't know this until after giving birth, but in knowing all these things, I've realized in so many ways how we're disconnected from from ourselves and from our bodies. And it truly just infuriated me the way I was treated because I felt like a number. I felt like I was cattle and they're like, come over here into this room and step on the scale. Well, you you were. You were just another person that was there. Exactly. And then my doctor, while I was delivering, my daughter took three phone calls, just stuff like that. And we're not prepared for for what happens after there's a child and we're we're shown you know the martyr the mother on tv and media like oh you're supposed to like love your child the instant they come into the world it's like no this is a human that you've never met in your entire life before you are so tired your body just went through the most traumatic thing that you've ever done in your entire life and then they're just like here here you go we're not prepared for the physical, the emotional, anything that happens after when we step into parenthood. And that is what so infuriated me, especially even women who had been through that before. And then on the other side of having a kid, no one was like, how are you? How are you doing? Not one person asked me that. Instead, they asked, is she eating well? Is she sleeping all the way through the night yet? Those are the only questions I got. And so as mothers and as women, it's like our worth becomes so much dependent on this little human that we've just met. And so that really caused me to search for someone else who understood. And that's why I started my podcast. I'm like, there has to be someone else out here who who feels this way, who has felt this way about motherhood. And there are a lot. And I found very quickly that even women that I went to high school with were like, thank you so much for saying this because I thought I was the only one. And I think that's so much of our human experience is that feeling like we're all alone and experiencing what we're experiencing. And I think it takes brave people to say, wait a second, <laughs> wait, this isn't like everything that they told me it was going to be. Flip the script, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think uh, I love, you know, you're only going to get the real from like a comedian or something. You know, when they say like, I don't know, I don't know what comedian it was, but they were like how they their kid came out and they're like, this thing's ugly as hell. <laughs> like, I feel no connection with this little thing, like this little ugly thing. And it's, but like in society, that's not, people can't aren't real, you right. know? So they're like, my God. But like, so, well, I mean, to that though, do you, so do do you think like you did feel that connection that people talk about that's like you can't describe in words and it's this person is your, or like, or is that kind of like maybe something that kind of people make up kind of in their own I think it depends, yeah, on, the I guess it depends on the person. Yeah, but I it mean, doesn't have to be that feeling. It's not like you have to have that feeling, and then you're like valid. Like it's just right. you know. I think it takes time. I mean, you didn't unconditionally love your partner the first day you met them, did you? No, no. Exactly. I mean, I didn't know who the hell they were. Exactly. I, I'm thing, still figuring it and out. And just because they like came out of your body doesn't necessarily mean you know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know who they are either. Exactly. So but like, And I think it's No, just, and you're forming, you're right, sorry to jump in there, but you're really forming the reality of them just from your reality. So, like, you aren't, you, this isn't a, this is a completely separate person other than the biology. Yeah. Other than the blood, like, they're their own, like, every opinion 
about them is based on you. Yes. So you're just making it all up. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it, it makes parents especially feel so isolated because we're taught all these things. We see all these things in movies and then it actually happens and we feel like we're the only ones or that we're bad people or bad parents for feeling this way when it's and between that and then like not sleeping and you know the anxiety and the stress of trying to take care of a newborn and oh you're supposed to like love them unconditionally and be head over heels with them when they're like screaming at three in the morning it's it's just a really high standard that i don't know actually happens to most people yeah yeah no it, it it is yeah and it's it's just i feel like a lot of this and like the theme a little bit is just like there's a lot of things that we just completely accept yes um as real or as whatever and just because that's always how we they were explained to us yes and there's no other side of it that was presented and any other side that was presented was like you're crazy or like in your case you're looking into it too much you just had a kid yeah that's it like why you don't what more could you need like be happy with that or whatever you know and um yeah i feel like uh obviously listen like gratitude is really important and things like that and that's not we're not it's not like we're not saying that but it's like that's not a you can't use that to cover everything all the feelings up or anything that you actually want to express you know yeah and when i had after i had my daughter my body went haywire and i had every single health issue that you could imagine i had a staph infection on my face and then i had MRSA and then i had mono and i had an ulcer in my eye and just everything happened to me and i just felt like between my pregnancy my birth and all those things that the, the system just failed me failed to treat me like a person failed to i was still having so much pain like maybe a few months after she was born and i couldn't lose any of the baby my body was just so swollen and i couldn't understand what's happening i was having health issue after health issue so i went back into my doctor for her to try to see not only did she tell me that nothing was wrong but as i was getting dressed she poked her head back in the door and said you should try working out so after that, I was like, this system is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be another way for us to treat people with dignity and for us to actually see people. Well, and it's like, it's not like the fact that that's, it, that's not, you're not saying that's a bad thing. It's like, oh, that's it? Like, yeah. that's all you got for me? Yeah. Like, work out? Like, that's just the most universal thing. Everybody exactly. knows that, you exactly. know? And I don't think we, we give enough attention to mothers and the true the true soul level shifts that happen once you become a mom because it turns your world upside down and i think that's the one thing that everyone says that's actually true it turns your world upside down but in ways that you could never imagine yeah do you think don't do you think it's more after the fact that you kind of go like oh wow i do have this person where like now like the pressure's on a little bit more like yeah. i don't have to just take care of myself like right. i feel like that really happens like later on when you kind of have that realization and i'm speaking out of turn because that never happened to me but not <laughs> I, yet i think it's yeah and it's you feel such a responsibility obviously to take care of this tiny human but you also have no idea what you're doing and you're like i think this is right but we're also not taught again to bring it back into spirituality to follow our instincts it's like we have to go on the chat board and look at all these things instead of being like okay what does what do I feel in this moment that is right to do? And we're so disconnected from that that it becomes so hard that we think that every single decision we make is either wrong or it's just it's so hard. 
following, I think that's something that was in your description or something, or like following your intuition, even if it doesn't seem right. Yeah. And I think that is a big thing because it's like logic going against emotion a little bit. But I feel like the words of logic and emotion also kind of box it in a little bit because there's probably other stuff happening, but it's like, oh, we just have these like two words or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah, I think we we doubt ourselves so much and we second guess ourselves and it goes back to like that power and that authority and those answers that exist outside of ourselves. And we're like, oh, well, this person must be right. And we forget, well, wait, what about me? What do I feel? What what is my body actually telling me or what's my gut feeling on this? And we we've learned to to say like that. That's silly. Like, that's just that's just a feeling that doesn't matter. But, you know, the mother's intuition, we all have that like gut reaction to things. We're mammals. We have those senses. It's just we don't listen to them. And like even beyond that, like even just gut intuition in general, like do you subscribe to the ideology of like just like you kind of can feel it like you have to like watch, just pay attention to what your body is doing? Yeah. I listen. I have since the fall lived my life purely on my own intuition. I go based on whatever I and I've learned to just sit my with myself and know and I, I, this takes training and it takes practice to know like when my body is like fuck yes do it and when my body's like no 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 and but it that takes time to to relearn that and to to know because everyone's is different yours might be like you know your left side lights up or your my legs tingle is like my fuck yes but like everyone has something different and it's learning to to know those things about yourself uh, so there's like a fuck yes and a hell no yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like the magic eight ball yeah I, I think, and also, but people would say, like, all right, I followed my intuition, I'm broke, I'm homeless, or something like that. Or, like, you know, like, it's like I followed my intuition, and then I wasn't, I'm not, nothing's happening my way, or something like that, you know? Yeah. So, like, what what would you say to, to something like that? Is that just not the right approach uh, or response, or...? I think it comes with context, right? Mm-hmm. I think there are certain things that we can absolutely follow our intuition to know whether an opportunity or a relationship or something's right for us. But I also think that, yeah, we have to do it within our own means too and where we're at in our life. But I mean, obviously there's people who did it who like, I got this message from the universe to quit my job and do all these things and people do it. But it's, it's not easy to fully follow your intuition after doing this for three years and building it for three years and basically building everything based on what I've seen and what I know and my own intuition like it's not easy to do because there's so many you know barriers you have to break down not only within yourself but if you're building something that's based on your own intuition or you're following something that's on your own intuition there's going to be every single thing along the way that's telling you you're not right you're crazy like why don't you do it this way or do it that way or this person did it this way and it's so hard to always bring it back to yourself and completely trust yourself enough to live your life by that design Mm, yeah yeah no exactly it's kind of like um you have to have the trust even when you don't have the trust in it you know when you just got to know almost you Mm -hmm. know i did it with i've done it with a lot of things i feel like um first probably with uh music was like the big one where i probably realized it where i go oh i really like this you know and it was started kind of became an expression form of expression Mm -hmm. a little bit at the in the beginning i just thought it was cool but then i realized like there's like other benefits of it as like an outlet you know and that was the first where i go like oh like i'm not i don't even have to try to make a song like i'm just gonna see what comes out you know yeah and that was like the first one and then 
my business and after that and not just doing like watching my friends go and make way more money and go get regular jobs and like do all that stuff and then i went oh man i'm like following this again like yeah you know it's taking me down to this road you know but and then i think the the hardest part about that is that when you come to the points where it gets really hard and then you have to lean into it more like you want to back up yes but you but you know you can't you know you're like why am i doing this it could just be so much easier if i'm doing what everyone else is doing and then i don't have to you know endure this suffering or all this self-doubt but then in the moments where it's really good you're like i can't believe i'm doing this this is amazing i'm living my life completely you know by my own design doing the things that light me up and bring me joy and isn't that what we all want yeah yeah, you're like, see, it does work. <laughs> I just want to tell my dad, you know. But we have to have those like moments of contraction and expansion. I feel like that's always just the ebb and flow of, of life is that we have the moments where it's really hard, almost like a jellyfish where you're going in and you're really contract and then you have to move forward to expand and then things get really hard again and then you're like, oh, fuck, why am I doing this? And then it gets easier and then you're slowly moving forward even if it doesn't feel like it. But it's that ebb and flow and... And trusting that 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 in those moments there will be a good moment after that. Yeah, I think it's life too. I mean, I think even yeah. if you have, even if you didn't follow your intuition, you're probably going to experience that too. Yes. And and um, but yeah, I think it can help you. Um, there's nothing wrong with getting more in touch with yourself. You yeah. Know? Um, and we have never been taught to do that. No, but we're also conditioned that life should be linear. And that it's like always moving forward, always moving forward, moving up the ladder, going, 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 instead of like, okay, now it's time to rest. Now it's time to like come back to myself. Now it's okay to just be. I don't always have to be like hustling or doing. And then we can have those moments. But then we also have the moments where we're learning just to to be ourselves. Yeah, Yeah, I, I think there's like, there's something I struggle with, which is like the kind of put your head down, you know, grind, you know, do your own thing, American dream, you know, figure it out, you know, uh, create your own reality, whatever. And then you have the like, go on the traditional route, like get a really good job. And it, to me, it seems like both are rewarded. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm like, why are we rewarding like normal ass shit, you know? But it's kind of a collective thing. It's just like a blanket statement of like, we're rewarding this or we're rewarding that. But I think it is kind of a... We're at the point where the American dream was sought out and then it was executed on and then like a whole generation or generations of people did it. And so now we're like down the line where we're like, what do we want to reward? Do we want to reward people that go the typical route and then they're nice and safe? Or do we want to reward people that took the risk or, you know, it's like a weird thing Mm -hmm. where I feel like our society is in a little bit of a spot with that. Yeah, and it's an interesting time where you can do anything or be anything if you put your mind to it. And technology has allowed us to, you know, all these avenues where you can publish your own book, you can have your own podcast, you can have your own TV show, like you can do all of the things. But it's still, I still feel like that traditional route is still like, good job, you have a nine to five job and security and safety and a 401k. But sometimes I feel like are the people who are doing are they happy or are they doing it just because they feel like they should or and I think it's to each his own but I think it's all about doing what lights you up and and following what you feel is best for your life at that moment and I think there's many of us who are like we don't want that we want our own we want our own blueprints our own path our own life but it comes with a lot of struggle and a lot of hardship and I think to me that's why spirituality is so important and having that practice because 
it reminds you that you're so much more than your struggles. And you're like, this might suck right now, but it doesn't define me and it doesn't define my worth. And you can always go there too. That's yeah. It, yeah. <clears throat> um, what did you think that you were going to do with your life? I have no, so for undergrad, I went to school for television and radio with a minor in anthropology. And Ooh, then dynamic. Yeah. And then I graduated. I'm like, I have no idea what to do with my life. Might as well go to grad school because it gives me two more years. (laughs) So then I went to grad school for public relations and I always wanted to work in media. And so I ended up having a bunch of different media jobs and I always loved photography. I did photography on the side. But when I got to this crossroads when I was six months pregnant, I was like, I want a job that is so deeply intertwined with the way that I want to live my life and that it doesn't feel like work. And I had loved my job working for a software company. I started their like talk show or they do interviews similar to this. And I've always loved creative everything, you know, making videos, writing, speaking, And so I I always knew that I wanted to do something in that route, but I always, when I was working my nine to five, I never saw how that was possible because I had also, I was also very kind of insecure about the fact that I had had all these different little jobs. Like I worked for a dog hotel doing their social media, got to play with dogs all day and take pictures of them. And then I, I worked for a small business doing like websites and digital marketing and then had this job. So I always felt like I was moving around where my peers were like at a job for 10 years and now our management and making six figures. And I'm like, I don't know. I what did the a, same thing as you did. Yeah. So it's like, I think there, there was this insecurity too of like, I'm never going to get to this point because I don't have the seven years of experience in this one job. And I love doing all these things and I don't know how that plays out. And so for me, it feels like the only thing is to create it myself and stop waiting for someone to give me that permission slip. So, oh, I want a podcast. Okay, here you go. You want your own business? Here you go. You want your own TV show? You want a book? Here you go. And just do it all myself. And yeah, I think people taste, they might even, they might have had a point in their life when they tasted that kind of freedom. And, um, but then they accept the fact that that's not real. Like, that's yeah. not life. You have to just do this. Like, yeah. they get real with themselves in a way where they just convince themselves that, yeah. like, hey, that's not practical. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to do the real, you got to go this route. Mm. You got to see your track. And I think you're probably like this too. Like, I have friends that have jobs that I, they can see if they stay there. Like for the next X amount of years, like you go here, then you go there, then yep. you go there, and you have and and the they tell hey this is by the way here's your track here's your track here yep. here you go it's that linear. here's your track right here so you're here right now and uh, so in twelve years you actually get, that's where the second pension comes in and you know what I'm saying so yep. um what's the fun in that <laughs> yeah that exactly like my brain doesn't vibe with that like yeah. or whatever it is like I don't vibe with I don't want to see like I don't want to see I want to be able to just see what happens yeah. you know and um i think some people really vibe like i think yeah, some people really like that we need that in our yeah. society it Tr- helps keep the structures mm-hmm. you need the construction you need the you know it you need the freelancer you need the entrepreneur you need the failing business you need the succeeding yes. business it's like we need it for our society but I always because I think my biggest frustration with the spiritual industry is how it is so deeply rooted with capitalism with this idea of like, oh, you can become spiritual and take this master class and then you can quit your nine to five job and generate like six figures. But it doesn't work like that. And I also think that 
we need people who are more self-aware in these positions, who are within these, you know, big corporations and working in our government and our education and our technology. We need these people who have this greater understanding of their themselves, you know, and more self-love because then that's projected externally. And that's how we shift our society. And that's how we shift as a human collective is through these people who are more self-aware, but we can't all quit and become spiritual entrepreneurs working on the beach. Like we need the people to uphold the systems and structures. It's not like we have to tear them all down. It's just, we regenerate them with more, you know, conscious awareness. It was, it's too much of a trying to sell everybody thing. Yes. That's where it was. That's what it is kind of, you know, and you know, you realize like when you don't, when you have a I think having a small business is definitely better because you start to realize like the nuances and like yes. you need to, I heard this today, you only get one name. Mm. So you better treat your everything like you only have one name, you know, mm. for the rest of your life, right? So it's one of those things and you got to keep it clean. You got to make sure you help people. You got to make sure you don't screw anybody over, like yeah. all that stuff, you know? So yeah, it's um that, it's, it's, it's a difficult, um, it's difficult to explain because I feel like there's just everybody's on there's people that know kind of that they want to change it and they know that they're in a position that they're might be financially good yeah but they know maybe they know something's off it might be spiritually it might be passion wise like something's happening right Mm -hmm. then there's people who are like grinding like nine to five stuff they love to come back at the end of the day and just watch netflix for like four hours like that's amazing Mm -hmm. like i'm so glad that like if you love to do that like what i hey i watch a podcast that's my thing i don't watch netflix i watch a podcast but i love it i'm so glad and while i'm watching that podcast somebody else is working on something Mm -hmm. or you know it's like you don't have to do everything all the time yeah. you know but i think that you kind of have to do some learning of yourself yes and also just take the chances i just i would i hate I, sure the bills have to be paid but it's like if you're you really can live in your car like if you had to you know to like take a chance on something in life yeah. and this is me come from somebody who's never lived in a car you know so i don't really know but i always say that i do understand why people would do that yeah. Because the alternative is not good. Like the alter, they live the alternative, and that yes. they would rather. Like I know people who have lived in the car. I know many people, parents, friends, whatever, whoever. You know, I know people who live in the car who are you know multimillionaires, almost billionaires. You yeah. know, so it's like mm-hmm. if they would have never just been like fuck it all, yeah, and like probably left everybody behind, then they wouldn't have done that. Yeah. So yeah, I spend a lot of time with people who are on the spiritual path and. A few weeks ago, I was at a gathering of women on a Tuesday morning, and one of the women said, you know what, I would rather just be a hobo on the street than have to go back to the way that I was living. (laughs) And I I was like, I resonate with that so much. It's like the hobo is probably like, I'd rather take what you're doing, (laughs) you know? But, uh, yeah. That was her phrasing. (laughs) No, for sure. No, but it is, though. It's just, it's really the fact that, like, once you know, you know. You know, yeah. like once you know how it can be, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't know how it could be. I think we don't actually know what it feels like to be free. Like we're so tied to identities and labels and our job and everything. We don't know what it actually feels like to be free because we're so, you know, tied to the to the system per se. But I think that people just don't know that they're free. Like I look at freedom as like you can quit your job, you can move, you can live in your car, you can kind of basically do whatever you want with consequences. And I think that ultimately people just want options, you know? Um, Like the freedom thing is, 
is just, in my opinion, not specific enough. Like, yeah. I think if you go a little bit more specific, then you see, oh, people just want to be able to either do this or do this. Yeah. Or I can choose, you know? Yep. Um, I can leave my job or I can stay at my job. You know, it's like we have all the freedom, yes. especially if you're in this country. Yes. You have maxed out freedom. Right. Yes. So. I think that's a better way to say it is like they don't know that they are or that they have the mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no, that's it. That's it. Um, so you mentioned uh uh, listen, I don't really know what you do. You know, I don't know like your business. I don't. I don't really know you at all. So, um, which, like I said, that's my most fun podcast. So that's, that's what I love to do on the show. But uh, so, do, so this is this developed past like just your own, yeah, s- uh, spirituality. Can you yeah. speak on? Yeah. So a long story short, fast forward. I mean, I, you can do a long story if you want. It's up to you. Um, I run an organization called House of Enlightenedhood. So it is a community-based organization, and it's basically a free platform for anyone on the spiritual path to come explore, feel safe. It's very much like social media meets like master classes and workshops, and it is led by a cooperative of healers, spiritual entrepreneurs, thought leaders who all co-invest in the platform and then use it as their space to share their wisdom, share their workshops, host micro-communities. And it's just a really beautiful space to be accessible because that's what I really think needs to happen as we shift into a new paradigm of spirituality is that we make it accessible. I'm really learning a lot about the ways that capitalism has basically fucked a lot of the spiritual lineages in terms of appropriating them and commodifying them and do you have any details on that for instance let's say that there's someone who sees an instagram ad to be a reiki master do you know what reiki is yeah i'm familiar so to be a reiki master they take the reiki master class and then they become a reiki master in an hour or two and then start charging clients thousands of dollars not to say that we shouldn't all be abundant in our gifts that's not what i'm saying at all but i think there's a lack of respect for the lineages that such teachings have come from and then we're putting huge paywalls to keep people from the teachings of their lineage and that's how we used to learn like passed down through our lineages you know from our elders and it's almost like we're paying someone ten thousand dollars to tell us that we have 10 toes on our feet you know and there's now you know clear distinctions that enlightenment and this idea of soul seeking and having access to these types of tools and this wisdom is directly correlated to income and race and the people that we need to help the most and the people that need the most healing are the ones that don't have access to this type of tools or wisdom so in being on this path for three years and kind of coming into it with a cohort of mothers I watched so many of the women invest in themselves in all these different master classes and huge coaching programs. And it always came back to wait a second. Not only did I like overspend outside of my means for this promise that I thought that I was going to become this certain spiritual version of myself, but now I'm realizing I already had all the answers and I already knew and I was actually my own self healer. So the the huge mission of House of Enlightenment is really to bring spirituality back to the people and to remove it from from the entanglements of capitalism and make it an accessible an accessible thing for all of us because I think it's our birthright to be able to know who we are and to explore our soul and to have these teachings and then all of the workshops and everything that we offer are all pay what you can 
because I don't think that that should ever stand in the way of what, you know, what someone can afford. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, that is different, though. Yeah, I've never, yeah. I've definitely seen the courses online and the gurus and the self-proclaimed yeah. gurus, etc. Yeah, um, self-proclaimed is a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, um, typically that's where it is, yeah. um, unless you have like the sad guru guy. I mean, I think that's just right in his name yes, or something yeah. like that. Yep. Um, he's he's interesting. To yes, to. and those those titles are you know given out of respect to someone who's spent years and years. I and mean, years. that guy, it's from his beard. Yes. So. <laughs> It's just that's the only yeah. way he got it. But hey, man, no, <laughs> he's he's great. He's just great to listen to. I appreciate it. It's yeah. uh, Joe Rogan, Big Sean as well, or uh, Jay Shetty as well. Yeah, but I think there's also this idea that, and not to say again that we shouldn't be serving like this. But for instance, let's say I heal my body through this diet program, and it completely changes my life, and then I decide to become a coach and sell that program for thousands and thousands of dollars to to other people. It's also hard because that might not work for other people. It might not be what helps them heal. It might not be what they need for their body. But the way that We've kind of entangled again spirituality with capitalism and really beautiful online marketing and aesthetics. We're just so conditioned with the way that we consume marketing and social media that they're like, that person's credible. This is going to change my life without, again, being connected to ourselves and taking that step back and be like, do I actually need this? Does this resonate with me? Is this the person for me? But there's, you know, there's all these kind of false promises in spirituality and the more that I watch others go through this path, it always comes back to the to the self and to the idea that we are completely capable to heal, heal ourselves. And that's not, again, to say that we don't need mentors and teachers and people to help guide us and to help us heal. But this idea that we have to invest in ourselves in order to learn more about ourselves, I think, is kind of bullshit. Yeah, no, I, I, I get you. And I think also um listen there's people that charge a hundred thousand an hour you know yeah and i think that you can get a call like that and probably get probably i actually talked about this on the last episode which is there are shortcuts yeah like to life to business to whatever yeah but the problem is that there's so many different um paths that you have to take that you can't you can only shortcut maybe a little little half a mile of the yeah 100 mile thing you know so there's not there's that too and i also think that especially with the internet and like it's that's what people want people don't want to do the real work like if the real work is free i mean my entire business is built on me telling you like basically being like hey i know how to do this you don't want to spend a thousand hours right. doing it. I spent like ten thousand doing it, so I consolidated it, and yeah. here you go. Now, does it work? Like, yeah, hundred percent. Like, it works. You know, for those people that want to do it, and it's that certain type of person. You know, but that at the that is though you people want me and us and people in this position to t- tell them it's okay. Yeah, that's a lot of like some. I remember like I had a client like a month back or something. He was like, guys, like you're here just to make sure that it's okay if I do this stuff, you know, or whatever. And I never really looked at it like that. But a lot of this stuff is, you know, um, hey, I mean, a personal trainer told me that they're a -a rent-a-friend, you know? Yeah. There's something to that, too. I think that's so true, too. And again, it's never saying that we shouldn't be charging for our services or for our gifts because I think we all deserve to make a living. But I think it's more of the idea that selling the quick fix Mm -hmm. and 
people eating that up and thinking that in taking this course, it's going to solve all the their problems. That, you can eat this pizza. And it's like, dude, you look like me. Like, I could eat six pizzas and I would look like this. Yeah. Nothing would change. You know, it's like you're the guy selling yeah. that and you entice them with the satiation. Right. It's the Planet Fitness model. It's yes. the bagels, right? It's the pizza. It's not about the thing. It's about the concept, yes. right? And yeah, I, I don't know. I keep coming back to the fitness industry just because I feel like the last 10 years of it has completely been this. And it's unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong, but only starting with the spiritual. Like I said, yeah. the meditation was like uh, Zumba or something. Yeah. Like one of those kind of starting group yep. classes for fitness that like people wouldn't even stick with or whatever. And it's like, oh no, it's starting with this too, you yeah. know? Well, it's because it's it's big business. And it, Truth. if if we decided today that we were all completely okay with the way that we were and we didn't need all the shit, like our economy would collapse. Like yep. if we all decided that we were enough and okay with how we are. Yeah. And so I think it's more too that I think, again, we all deserve to be abundant in our gifts and the way that we serve and to help other people. And I never want to mean that, that I'm like talking down about someone who's like charging a good living to, oh, to no, have and these services. You're talking about very traditional things too. That's not like, Hey, this is like, like the, I do podcasts. Like it's, there's no traditional wisdom, right. you know, like you're talking about stuff that was just like thousands and thousands of exactly. years old that nobody charged for. Exactly. But it, I think it's more of the idea that the best healers and teachers are going to be the ones, like you said, to be that friend and to be that mirror, but no one can do the work, the spiritual healing work, except for you. You only know like what emotional baggage you have deep down in there. Like no one can extract that for you. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I mean, but that's just a testament to the fact that it's we all know that it's not about money, that money doesn't you can have as much money in the world. and It's not going to heal you. Exactly. And it's not going to make you happy. Mm -mm. No, I mean, it'll make you like maybe momentarily, right. um, you know, it could bring you some joy or something like that. Or maybe it brings you happiness and then not joy. I don't know if there's different definitions, but I think that um, once again, options, money gives you options. Yeah. Yeah. But then what about the people who don't have it, who they're just never going to know themselves and i yeah. think that's where i'm at I'm oh no like, the people that know themselves the most probably have the least amount of money right. a lot of times yeah yeah because we're forced to sit with ourselves and we can't escape through material items and vacation you know and it's that's the way of our world so i'm really passionate about making that accessible to everyone and making it not about money and profits but more about like learning about ourselves and having a safe space to do that and it i kind of selfishly built it for myself because i didn't feel like i ever had that safe space to be like this is what i'm learning about myself these are the experiences that i'm having and to not have feel like i'm going to be judged for saying those types of things or someone's going to think i'm crazy or too out there and so to have that safe space yeah no i feel the same way i mean that's why i have things that are more expensive and i have things that are completely free and i believe in that yeah. model because and I totally get like the side of, hey, just be high ticket and like, hey, don't worry about that. There's always cheaper options. Yeah. But what if you could be like, what if you could have things for each level, you yes. know? And so that's the the good part. It's like if you have the pay as you how you want and then you have one that's 20 grand, too. And it's like, that's cool. Like, that's OK, because yeah. it's like, all right, we're going to fulfill your need at here or all the way up there. It yes. just depends, like, how much personalization you want or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I know you said that it's all like pay as you want. So which I think is really good. But I think like I have the same philosophy, which is 
And that's why I was telling you about my other podcast, which is all about podcasting. Like you can just, you could just watch that. You could listen or watch that and then just go on YouTube for the rest. Yeah. And then just, you can do it all yourself, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, yeah, that's amazing. Like, but so how did you build the platform though? So it's on the Mighty Networks platform. Actually, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Definitely have signed up for stuff on there, like on somebody's Mighty Networks platform or something. I know the name. Yeah. So we pay for the, the, the biggest package which basically gives us so it has all the features that you would have on a social media network you can follow people message them post do all the things but then it also has like built-in on-demand learning and an lms system which is really nice so we can have workshops in there it has an event section and it also has we have sacred spaces within there so these are like micro communities and little containers so we have a bunch of different like mystery schools and other members of our cooperative are hosting their own groups in there so house of enlightenment is the overarching umbrella where then we have like little pockets too where the idea of you can come and nourish all different aspects of your soul all in one place because i feel like in this day and age we're like we're in this person's community on facebook and then this person's community in kajabi and all these places and we're so you know our energy is so fragmented between platforms and technology and to have it all in one space i think i am also a proponent of being really intentional with technology because I think when we can use it for good and use it in ways that nourish our soul, then of course, let's use it. But let's try to figure out how we can step away from the ways that are maybe affecting our mental health, like scrolling on Instagram and comparing. And so to have all that in one space is something that I've been really passionate about. And we actually launched in January of 2020 through a website that we had developed and designed, but there was no community aspect. I'm like, this does not work. I don't want it to be a one-to-many type of thing where you're just ingesting. Just a course. Exactly. Yeah. There needs to be community because if I've learned anything, it's like community is medicine. We're not meant to do this alone. We are meant to have support and to have people who see us and witness us. And so to have community and people are like, I'm going through the same thing or like, I see you. I support you. You got this. Like that, that, that can be everything to someone. That, that would have been everything to me to hear that. Like as being a new mom, that would have been everything. But we don't, we don't have enough spaces where we are be able, we are able to be like unconditionally loved and held like that. What what about the business side? Did you were you thinking about to, that too in the beginning, or was it more? Well, like you said, you had that website built. Like that must have been a thought in terms of like it does the pay as you go. Does that just like support? the whole thing or yeah, I'm just curious from the business yeah, mindset. Yeah, it basically supports its whole thing and then I have my own like one-on-one podcasting, speaking, writing type of thing. So it's more just like this is my humanitarian project and gift yep. to the human collective and yep. it's self-sustaining and then the cooperative dues are the main source of income to help and then we also have a scholarship program so we help connect so let's say someone wants a reiki service or an astrology reading but they can't afford it we have the scholarship fund so a percentage of the dues and all the ticket sales go into the fund and then we help connect people who want the service with a member of our cooperative to receive the service amazing little spiritual meals on wheels baby yeah, let's basically. go <laughs> i like that um wow that's awesome um yeah, I what popped in my head was the metaverse seems promising possibly for this. Mm. Possibly virtual reality for this could be cool. That seems scary. If your stuff is like Zoom or whatever like that, but <laughs> Oh, definitely. I have no idea how it works, but <laughs> imagine like you're out there meditating with like 300 people but then you look next to you and they're there. 
Yeah. You know, like virtually there. I don't that know. would be nice. Would be something. But also terrifying. At the same time. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, well, so for your, um, so you take, you guys, you have one-on-one clients as yeah. well. Um, and so was that at the same time that you built this or kind of just along the journey? Or? It's been along the journey, but it's evolved along the way because right now I do a lot more intuitive, like energy healing type of stuff. But I also do like the coaching, more like mentorship of being on the spiritual path. And I also host biweekly women's circles with another woman that I know. And so it's it's kind of a whole mesh of things. It, it, I know this was probably basically a crash course, but like in terms of maybe just getting started and having a little bit, maybe not a cynical view of it, but just having a just unknown view of spirituality or like why, you know, should should everybody like try it or try to get in touch with that and maybe try to meditate or try to get more spiritual? Or is it more like, hey, you got to do it when it comes to you? Or like, how do you feel about that in terms of maybe somebody wanting to having an inclination, but not really having any knowledge on it? I would say this is that for everyone I know who's been on the path, not one person was like, I wish I didn't do this or know more about myself. And (laughs) I think there is so much peace and happiness and joy to be found in the unlearning and the knowing yourself more. Because again, I think that's what it's all about is finding more ways to find love and peace and happiness and joy in our life and, and intention. And don't we all want that? Yeah, it's true. It's true. And especially if you, and I think most people would say that they're not, the glass isn't all the way, the cup isn't all the way full in that department. I feel like there's always something we can do there. Yeah. And I think that's where you start. You start like, where are you not happy? Where do you feel shame? Where do you feel guilt? Where do you feel anger? And start there and sit with yourself enough to be able to figure it out. And sometimes it takes a really long time and that's okay because we've we've shoved stuff down for decades probably and not fully felt it or dealt with it and so we start there i did almost a you know a full year of really looking at myself and all the ways of you know holding a lot of wounds about relationships like where does it come from why do they fail why do i feel this way and it's like asking these questions about ourselves and then releasing it with love and looking at ourselves with more love and i think that's what self-healing is is really like i always like to describe it as that as like a hoarder's living room where there's just bile boxes and boxes of emotional baggage stacked up on top of each other and we're like okay today i'm gonna look at this box and i might find like a few pictures and a few things and we'll come back tomorrow and you know after a while you're peeling back the layers you're removing the boxes to eventually you're like oh there's a chair under here like oh there's a whole room under here and then like oh there's a house there's a neighborhood and it takes time and it takes commitment but i am just i it's a thousand percent worth it because the more that you can just feel confident in in who you are and feel enough in all that you are and feel like just stop giving fucks and like <laughs> it's real. the most freeing feeling in the entire world world to just not care what other people think about you and that i know it takes a really long time to get there but to be just like so in love with yourself it just it's it's a really great place to be and i think you would agree with this too it's it's sure it's for you but everything in your life is what do you have without all of your relationships and 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 if you we're the first people to know that if we're not right everything around us isn't right either like it your everything that you 
facing is affecting everybody else around you, yes. whether you know it or not. Yes. And it starts with you, but then it radiates externally to to your partner, to your family, to your community, mm-hmm. to your world. And it that's how we truly change the world is through changing ourselves, because then it cho- changes the way that we show up in the world. Mm-hmm. It's true. And how we do that, we got to start with that good old Y-O-U, baby. Mm-hmm. That good old I. <laughs> yep. And that ego. See what we got going on there. Yep. So your podcast. Yes. So yeah, what's, what is it all about? So it's called House of Enlightenedhood. It was originally Enlightenedhood. So it started when I was four weeks postpartum. I just recorded episode 99 today and next week will be a hundred. By the time this comes out, we'll be over a hundred, which is just (laughs) insane. So the first season was mostly interviewing mothers about all different topics of spirituality. But then as I healed and stepped into myself and figured out how I can serve and help others, I expanded it to be more about just general spiritual topics. So there's, I mean, there's a hundred of them. So there's a very wide range of everything from, you know, relationships to plant medicine to, you know, star seeds and galactic beings to the Akashic record. There's like, there's everything. Oh, I love it. I'm I'm gonna one hundred percent be subscribed to that. I need yeah. a little bit I got a little bit too much practical business mm-hmm. and stuff that I'm like lessons I've heard a hundred times that I just want like ingrained in me and I'm yeah. like I just wanna but I feel like you gotta tap you gotta do the balance, man. You gotta yeah. tap in. Um and you wanna plug your book as well? Sure. So I wrote a book called Dear Luna Wild. So that letter I told you about was the first letter that I wrote and you didn't know it was to Luna Wilde at that point right so it was the first letter I wrote and then I just kept writing letters so the book is two years worth of letters to my daughter from that first letter which is in the preface of just saying you know I don't know who you are out there future child but I'm gonna find myself and then letters from the day I found out I was pregnant up until she's over one years old And so it's just a collection of musings. It's really kind of my story through letters, kind of a lot of what we talked about, the way that women are treated and finding yourself and what the self-healing journey is like. And it's it's my whole heart in a book. It's that's crazy. And in terms of um, what you see on the horizon, what are you what, what, what are you what are you working on? Like are working so I am working I just opened my own like little mystery school sacred space within House of Enlightenment to share more of the channeling and like intuitive work that I'm doing and then I also have a few TV shows in the works that we're working on um, doing the pre-production for and I'm also working on another book yeah and working on just building out the scholarship program to continue to just make spirituality as accessible as possible to everyone keep that meditation going you got a lot going on (laughs) i know i need it (laughs) this is really fun yeah thank you yeah um and so where can people find you online i i know you just plugged the book in the podcast too but if you have instagram social media things like that so you can find me personally on instagram at lena of light and then house of enlightenedhood is at enlightenedhood and I'll have everything in the show notes description below. Lena, thanks so much for Thank doing this. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Let's do it again. Okay. 
Um, it's a deal. Yeah, let's let's we're gonna keep the podcast going here. Both <laughs> of our podcasts. Yes. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into another episode. I really appreciate it. Shout out to Devin for being here today. Shout out to the boys for being here. Ooh. Thank you guys for helping us out today. Lena, thank you once again. Thank you. And uh, as you know, we are on all platforms, even the ones nobody uses. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Hey guys, it's Sully. I've been running this podcast for three and a half years now. I've interviewed over 80 people on the show in person and virtually. Um, It does take a team to run this. We have four people working on this on a weekly basis. The only thing I ask of you is if you could please follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. So whatever that is, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever that is, please do subscribe and follow on those platforms. What that does is it will automatically download the episode for you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and the other platforms as well, it will notify you when the episodes come out. So we release every single Monday. So just so you know, 6 a.m. on Monday, every Monday, every week, no stopping, guaranteed. So if you could just follow us or subscribe on those platforms, that would mean the world to us so we can keep this podcast going, grow the audience so we can have better guests, better content for you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening and hearing me out here at the end of this episode. I will see you on the next one. All right, peace. Peace.